Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to Atlas Group Fourth Quarter and Full Year 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Camila Bartoszkiewicz. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator. Thank you, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Altus Group's fourth quarter results conference call and webcast for the period ended December 31st, 2020. The news release announcing our results was issued after market close this afternoon, and it's also posted on our website along with our MBNA and financial statements. Joining us today are CEO Mike Gordon and CFO Angelo Bartolini. We'll start with some prepared remarks and then we'll move right into the Q&A session. If we miss any questions, please contact me directly by email. Angelo will begin by covering off our financial performance and the business outlook for 2021. And then you'll hear from Mike who will provide an update on our strategic priorities for the year and address today's announcement of the proposed acquisition of Finance Access. Before we get started, please be advised that some of our remarks on this call may contain forward-looking information. Also, please be reminded that Office Group uses certain non-IFRS, non-GAAP measures as indicators of financial and operational performance. Forward-looking statements and an explanation of these measures are detailed in today's news release and in our related reports on CEDAR. So with that, I'll now turn the call over to Angelo. Thanks, Camilla, and thank you all for joining us this afternoon. It was a solid finish to the year. Considering the backdrop of a challenging external environment for our industry, we're pleased with our performance in 2020, delivering 7% top line and 17% adjusted EBITDA growth and a notable improvement to adjusted EPS at $1.67. In many respects, it was a key year of transition for us as we transitioned our employees to work remotely. We fully transitioned our software sales model to subscription pricing and successfully worked through a CEO transition. Throughout this period of change, our execution was strong and our solutions and services stood up to the test as being mission critical for our clients, reinforcing the strength and stability of our business model. We have strengthened many of our competitive advantages and remain very well positioned for growth in 2021 and beyond. As you will hear from Mike today, We're very excited about the opportunities ahead of us this year, and we're starting the new year off with strong momentum and accelerating our pace. Turning to the quarter and the business segments, on a consolidated basis, revenues were up to 139.5 million, while adjusted EBITDA improved by nearly 20% to 26.7 million, improving our margins to 19.2%. At Altus Analytics, revenues were up to 51.5 million and earnings improved by 8% to 5.8 million. Our full year EBITDA margin of 18% came within our expected range. But most notably, overtime revenues, our key metric, were up sequentially and up 11% year over year to 43.5 million in the quarter. To add some color on the revenue performance, as you're aware, the fourth quarter still included the impact of the subscription model transition. For context, in Q4 2019, we had roughly 3.5 million in upfront perpetual license revenues that did not reoccur in the comparative period of Q4 2020. Although there will be some lagging perpetual deals in the comparative Q1 2020 number, this transition will will be largely behind us and will provide for a smoother year-over-year comparative performance in 2021. 
As we had discussed on the last earnings call, we continued to feel the impact of the pandemic, primarily on our point-in-time revenue streams, such as software consulting and training services, which were down year over year. To a lesser extent than in Q3, we also felt the impact of lower sales volumes in the SMB space and overall prolonged sales cycles, especially for the larger deals. That being said, our pipeline is building and remains robust, and we saw a healthy pickup in larger deals come late in the quarter, such as the two big deals we announced with global service providers, Newmark and JLL, both which came in late December. FX was also a bit of a headwind in the quarter and is expected to remain a pressure point going into Q1. Most notably, our overtime revenue base continues to build with sustained double-digit growth. The strength in overtime revenues reflects a strong software subscription revenue base as a reflection of the economic model of both current and past deals, higher subscription license sales reflecting sustained customer expansion, and a steady addition of cloud clients, a steady maintenance revenue base supported by an industry-leading retention rate for Argus Enterprise. Though we've seen some fluctuations on our retention rate throughout 2020, we expect it to remain stable in the mid-90s range. And finally, we had continued strength in appraisal management solutions and data subscription products. The external environment has truly reinforced the strategic value we bring to our clients through our analytics and data solutions, which have been relied upon heavily in managing risk performance during the pandemic. Our appraisal management solutions grew strongly as we added new clients, continued to expand engagements with our existing clients, grew international revenues, and increased the number of assets on the platform. On the earnings front, I would add that the improvement includes the benefit of the restructuring program that we initiated near the end of Q2, but would also remind you of our intention to reinvest for emerging opportunities and to strengthen the capabilities and support of our long-term strategy. And of course, it reflects some of the cost savings realized from reduced travel and marketing events. With respect to our customer cloud migration journey, we continue to make progress. Some highlights, we finished the quarter with 14% of our Argus Enterprise user base contracted on the Argus Cloud platform, up from just 10% at the end of Q3. During the quarter, we also surpassed a thousand customer milestone for AE Cloud an important momentum indicator, as you might recall, it took us approximately three years to reach that with our previous Argus on-demand hosted product. This includes both new AE customers, as well as those who have migrated from the legacy on-premise version. While our cloud adoption continues to be SMB driven, we're starting to see more activity with larger clients, such as the two notable deals with Newmark and JLL. Both are global influential service providers who will help drive broader adoption in the CRE ecosystem. The API capabilities were a key consideration to both, to both large deals mentioned as they solve for significant pain points. Our customers deploy a multitude of technology applications to support various workflows and desire to transmit information seamlessly and efficiently the next API connector on the roadmap will be with Yardi, targeted to be launched next month. Through the Yardi API, we've built a two-way uh, connector to support the transmission of rent roll, financial, and valuation data between our systems, and this will add significant benefits to Yardi users. As we look ahead, we feel good about the opportunities for 2021 as our pipeline builds, sales activities ramp up, and as SMB volumes and software services begin to gradually rebound. As the global economy starts to recover, activity levels are expected to rebound as companies worldwide push for more data-driven visibility on their CRE assets, endeavor to streamline operations with technology and prioritize cloud-based solutions. The revenue impact of the model transition is now largely behind us, which should allow for a cleaner comparative view and with respect to COVID, we anticipate a lesser impact in 2021 than we experienced in the past year. We have provided more information in the outlet sections of our MDNA, but in summary, we're expecting an acceleration of revenue growth, particularly double-digit growth in overtime revenues and year-over-year -year in adjusted EBITDA margin. 
As you'll hear from Mike shortly, we're implementing a number of changes to our go-to-market plans and expect to make significant progress in driving broader cloud adoption in 2021. As, as we've said before, the acceleration of digital transformation in the CR industry is a positive catalyst for our long-term strategy. We remain favorably positioned for continued long-term growth. Moving on to our CRE consulting segment, property tax Q4 revenues were up 6% to 57.5 million and earnings were up 24% to 12.2 million. It was another record revenue year at an impressive, with an impressive 31.4% annual margin. Growth in the quarter was driven by a double digit increase in the UK, where we had higher case settlement volumes. In the U.S., our pipeline is strong, but we saw some COVID-related delays on settlements, which could have some implications to our seasonal patterns in future, in future quarters. And in Canada, we had growth in Ontario, but it was offset by lower comparative performance in Manitoba, which was at the peak cycle in prior year. I would also remind you, as discussed on the past earnings call, we had some expected Q4 settlements come forward into the third quarter in both the UK and US. Overall, it was a fantastic year as characterized by higher appeal settlement volumes, higher success rates and higher savings for our clients. A growing pipeline of business is measured by volume of appeals on hand and by total value. We continue to onboard new clients and more properties onto our platform, thus increasing our market share. Property assessment values continue to rise and we see greater opportunities for savings particularly in disruptive times like these. And with the investments we're making on our technology platforms, we expect to see the continued benefits of improving our CRM and business development capabilities, creating greater efficiencies in our workflows and capturing greater appeal savings through data and analytics. These trends set us up on very strong footing for sustained multi-year growth to deliver another record year in 2021. Our outlook is supported by a healthy pipeline of cases to be settled, anticipated catch-up from COVID-related delays and higher annuity buildings in the UK. Long-term, we continue to see great opportunity as we differentiate ourselves from our competitors with technology and data, grow our market share and enhance the repeatability of our revenues and our operating leverage. And finally, our valuation and cost advisory businesses continue to deliver steady performance in these unprecedented times, a solid reflection of their market leadership. They are expe expected to continue growing modestly, driven by operating leverage, enhanced efficiency and productivity from technology, and improved cross-selling across the organization. Turning to our financial position, our balance sheet remains in great shape and our cash flows are strong. In fact, our cash generated from operations grew handsomely by over $21 million in 2021. We have a strong cash position of $70 million with $123 million in bank debt, representing a funded debt to EBITDA ratio of 1.09 times, well below our, our maximum limit of four times. On a net cash basis, our leverage ratio is 0.55 times debt to EBITDA. This provides us with plenty of room to continue investing in our growth, both organically and through acquisitions. With respect to the proposed acquisition of Finance Active, we expect that after its cash funding, our funded debt to EBITDA ratio would only move to approximately two times, still maintaining a very strong financial position. As I start to wrap up, reflecting our commitment to providing investors with more transparency, I wanted to highlight some disclosure updates that we plan to roll out with our first quarter results in May. First, we will begin to provide a bookings metric for Altus Analytics. This metric will include bookings for all of the revenue streams, both overtime and point-in-time revenues. Secondly, we will begin to allocate the variable compensation accruals, or in other words, bonuses, for the Altus business segments in each of the quarters throughout the year, rather than making the allocations only in the fourth quarter. In order to provide visibility of this change to our comparable 2020 numbers, 
We are uploading a table on our investor website with comparative performance to assist those modeling us. With that, I'll now turn it over to Mike. Thanks, Angelo, and good afternoon, everyone. As you said, it was a year like no other, and we're proud of the accomplishments achieved in 2020 that have put us on a strong foundation for the year ahead. I wanted to use my time today to lay out our strategic focus for the year and how the proposed acquisition of Finance Active fits into our strategy. With respect to long-term strategy, as I mentioned on the last earnings call, I'm not looking to make any substantial changes as I agree with the Altus's vision. Rather, I look forward to building on it and will be accelerating our efforts in emerging opportunities in the debt and data adjacencies that we believe will provide Altus Group with important building blocks for the future. We are excited about the opportunities ahead of this this year, which combined with our strong financial position and a positive market outlook make this the right time to accelerate our strategy in support of our vision and long-term growth. Directionally, we'll continue down the path to become a leading CRE information services provider by building market leadership of our key offerings. Our vision is to be the global leader for the valuation and management of risk for CRE assets by enhancing the decision-making across the value chain through the use of technology, data, analytics, and services. Operationally, the strategic initiatives we are focused on in 2021 will be foundational to our long-term success. First, as a top priority, we remain focused on accelerating AE cloud adoption. Nothing is more important to us than that, and we plan to make significant progress in 2021. With the signing of the Newmark and JLL deals late last year, we have good momentum with our sales force and expect more large deals to follow this year, with a goal to contract about 30% of our top 25 customers by the end of the year. To help drive this, we have developed a dedicated team and are focused on supporting our large customers with their moves to the cloud. With more users moving on our cloud product and platform, this opens up a number of growth opportunities for us, allowing us to further increase the proliferation of AE applications across our clients' workflows and the CRE value chain, and to grow our appraisal management and data solutions. Our focus remains on adding more users and new logos to the Argus ecosystem, enhancing cross and upselling, pursuing more multi-product enterprise deals, and expanding internationally in Europe and Asia-Pac. To help accelerate adoption, we are also evolving our go-to-market plans to help us capture more opportunities and really to be more aligned around an integrated business model across Altus Analytics. Historically, the focus has been driven by product offering, but as you know, we've been diverting from point, point solution selling and driving towards platform solutions that drive strategic value for our customers. We're organizing our go-to-market strategies under a regional geographical focused model with integrated account planning and greater alignment of product management with sales and marketing. We will continue to have an enterprise account management team for global platform deals, and we're launching a dedicated customer success team to identify differentiated and quantifiable customer value propositions to better support our customers. As part of the integrated approach, we'll be bringing more consistency and rigor to our sales forecasting, pipeline development, sales model, and internal training. Many of these changes reflect the evolution of our growth, making this the right time to better align towards an information services model that is focused on driving recurring revenue. With respect to our product roadmap, to drive faster AE cloud adoption, we need to give customers compelling reasons to migrate. We can do this by better differentiating the value proposition between AE cloud and the legacy on-premise version. This requires product innovation, 
and for the future version releases to have greater functionality developed exclusively on the Argus cloud, including additional APIs and the interoperability that facilitates the enhanced workflows and collaboration. Strategically, we're driving towards addressing key CRE workflows to extend our reach in the CRE value chain, and above all, to keep people on Argus for all their needs. We're moving from high value point solutions to a more ubiquitous model that unifies our valuation and asset management capabilities onto a single cloud-based platform that integrates numerous key workflows and enhances data-driven insights for the CRE industry. Second, we are accelerating our move into CRE debt management. Today's announcement of the proposed acquisition of Finance Active is a very exciting one for our company, as it has potential to provide us with a strong growth platform in its adjacency with an established market-leading SaaS solution. As many of you are aware, we identified debt as a natural and attractive adjacency for our Altus Analytics business, which is predominantly focused on the equity side of the equation. Although we currently provide valuation and risk management solutions to some customers in the debt space and with Argus, including a couple of new debt clients last quarter, deeper capabilities are required to fully address this growing market segment. Our customers, and the industry would derive significant value and be better equipped to manage risk performance from a fulsome 360 degree view of their assets that combines equity and debt. We are very well positioned to leverage our leading and global position with Argus and appraisal management to further penetrate this adjacency, which we plan to do both through organic initiatives and through this proposed acquisition. With debt added to our tech stack, it would enhance our global platform and help us broaden reach across customer segments, use cases, and workflows. Finance Active has been on our radar. We have followed the trajectory of their growth, have gotten to know the team, carefully assessed the market opportunity in debt, and strategized how we can leverage our global position to penetrate this adjacency. It became quickly apparent to me that Finance Active met our strategic criteria and that buying versus building would fast track our move into debt, something I believe needed to be accelerated to stay ahead of the demand curve. Really, they met all the criteria in what we look at for a strategic acquisition. Market leadership in a strategic adjacent end market and geography a mature native cloud solution that fits it with our overtime revenue model. It addresses a critical workflow for our product roadmap, a strong install base with mutual cross-selling potential, and of course, a strong cultural fit. We're excited about the growth platform of this proposed acquisition, and particularly with the talent on their team, which gives us increased confidence that we can integrate successfully and drive solid execution. We're working towards closing this transaction in the second quarter. Third, as we think about the opportunity ahead of us in data, we need to accelerate our efforts to launch new data capabilities and revenue streams. This is something we need to start positioning ourselves for now. In support of that, we have a dedicated project team in place and initiated internal work streams to establish market use cases feasibility studies, and a technology roadmap. On a very high level, it's about adding value through data-driven business insights. We believe the opportunity lies in providing our clients with data architecture and data model solutions enabled by Argus Cloud. To allow clients to aggregate data sourced from internal systems, our own Altus data, and potentially other third-party data providers. Such a platform with predictive analytics and alert capabilities would enable stakeholders to drive improved investment performance and better manage risk. We do not anticipate this to require any material step out investments this year. In other words, it's in our budget. And fourth, 
we are continuing down our path on market share growth and digitizing property tax to sustain our double-digit revenue growth and high margins. I believe we can meaningfully enhance the value of this business by making the delivery of our services more tech-enabled and supported by data and analytics. This is a strong-performing, high-margin business with strong cash generation, very repeatable revenues, and a long growth runway. Yet, there is still more that we can do and will do to modernize it and make this business more predictable. A key initiative this year will be to align our national operations under a common global operating and technology model. As we look ahead, it will be a big execution year. And to support the go-to-market changes we're making across the organization, we have also recently built out our team. As I reviewed our operating structures against the opportunities driving our next phase of growth, it required us to realign under a new leadership framework and add some new skills. So we made some changes and built out our team with some new hires, particularly with technology and data experience. You might recall we made some room for the change through the restructuring program in 2020. As you've seen through our announcements, we brought in Jim Hannon as president of Altus Analytics, promoted Alex Probin to the role of global president of property tax, to be supported by Russ Schreiber as his chief operating officer. And in March, Jorge Blanco will join in the newly created role of chief product officer, working closely with Steve Besner, our chief development officer. The new additions have fit well with our business leaders, helping us round out our bench strength for the opportunities ahead. We continue to invest in our people, sales, and go-to-market capabilities, particularly as we have a lot of opportunities ahead that each require specific expertise and boots on the ground in our strategic markets. With respect to our, our aspirational goal for Altus Analytics business, I've spent a significant amount of time with our team to understand and test our different paths to 400 million by the end of 2023. So let me clarify our path to that number. Our path includes accelerating AE cloud adoption, accelerating our move into strategic adjacencies and data analytics and debt valuations, expanding our strong growth and appraisal management into Europe and Asia, and continuing to build out data solutions initiatives. We will achieve these objectives through targeted internal investment and through strategic acquisitions of technology companies with an emphasis in the data and debt segments. We feel confident in our ability to drive double-digit organic top-line growth and by accelerating our move into strategic adjacencies organically and through acquisitions. We feel we have a strong and balanced path to our aspirational goals. In closing, I want to thank our customers for their continued commitment to Altus, to congratulate our employees for solid execution during a year like no other, and say that we look very forward to welcoming the talented Finance Active team to Altus Group. On that note, let's open up the line for questions now. Operator? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then 2. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question comes from Yuri Link of Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, good evening, everyone. Hi, Yuri. Hi, Yuri. 
Hey, Gary. Uh, uh, so, Mike, interesting um, acquisition. I, I guess, um, can I call it an acquisition, or maybe you can just clarify um, exactly what uh, what we're waiting for before um, this this closes? Um, and then, uh, secondly, can you just talk about some of the, uh, the the revenue synergies that you see? And maybe Angelo, can you touch on any other um, financial guideposts for Finance Act besides the revenue? So sure, Yuri. I think on on Finance Active, as I said earlier, we're very excited to um, be um, getting into this proposed acquisition. I think we're using the term proposed because there's a number of steps that we still have to complete with them, um, based off some requirements. Um, to be honest, in France, uh, we do look at the um, proposed acquisition to be uh, uh, very um, aligned with our business as we like the, uh, certainly the SaaS model that they've developed. Uh, our customers, we feel, are very much aligned, and we think that there are, is a good amount of opportunity to cross-sell and upsell our solutions into both customer sets. Uh, you can um, bet your bottom dollar that we're going to try to get this done as quickly as possible, uh, but today we feel really good at the steps that we're at and look forward to finalizing it. So, uh, Yuri, in terms of just the metrics, given where we are, where we are at uh, in the process, really uh, all we are disclosing at this point is the you know a range of purchase price in 100 million euros, with um, you know an approximation of their, their revenues, which is you know roughly right uh, 25 million euros. Um, I did indicate though that this is uh, going to be a deal uh, that we do primarily in in cash. There is an equity component, um, and having said that, you know even after the um, the funding of this deal, the balance sheet remains in very strong in a very strong position. Um, we're estimating roughly uh, a two times uh, debt to EBITDA uh, ratio. So still lots of potential. To do more investments after this acquisition. And so is that a net debt to EBITDA? That's a gross. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And then, and then, just on the on the outlook, um, appreciate the 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 400 million um, aspirational goal. I think I think it's fair to say previously that um, I think organic growth was was going to play a bigger role. In, in getting there, just um, how has your view of the organic portion of, of that $400 million goal changed over, say, the last six months, and, and uh, what's been the cause of that? And then I'll get back in the queue. Thanks. Um, what I would say about it is our, we still expect organic growth to be um, firmly in the double digits. I think that when we look at our near-term pipelines, our long-term pipelines, uh, we feel very confident about double-digit organic growth. I think as I looked at the different plans and worked with the team to develop like our different paths, we realized that as these adjacencies started um, really sprouting out, like in the debt and the data adjacency, it became evident that you know to accelerate our position in there, which would actually also accelerate our cloud adoption that acquisition became um, quite useful. My view is that um, organic growth will still be by far the majority of the growth that we're going to do. Um, but at the same point, we will be adding in um, acquisitions and we've always been an acquisitive group, but our acquisitions are gonna follow more around technology, data and analytics and fill gaps where we feel that we were going to build something we might buy it at this point. And so that's how I think we're pivoting right now as we move into 2021 and beyond. Thanks for the call. Our next question comes from Daniel Chen of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks. Um, just on the finance active, just wondering, by moving into the uh, the debt market, any idea of how much it increases your uh, your TAM? 
Yeah, we believe that our TAM, um, depending on how you calculate it, it will it will uh, move up somewhere between um, 50 and 75 percent. Okay, so significant uh, increase there. How should we be thinking about the integration of Finance Active into the company and then kind of bringing your products together before you can start doing some of that cross-selling? I think that um, Daniel, that's a fair question. I think for us, what we're what we're what we're discussing is um, really looking at the use cases that customers need and where our customers uh, can use both products, and that will be the focus of probably uh, 2021 to really get our products cross sold and upsold through their channels and their products cross sold and upsold through our channels. I think the important thing for us as we go to integrate the business is we really want the team to continue to um, work on their own, but at the same point, integrate some of the back-end systems and really get their, their services on our cloud as soon as possible. Because once we start doing that, that starts the path towards interoperability, interconnectedness, and that will allow us to unlock um, other use cases that we can bring to our uh, customers, whether that's around um, the workflows that we discussed or some new data solutions we're looking into. Okay, that's helpful. And then final one for me, um, any timing on the rollout of uh, or the migration of JLL and Umark to the cloud and how should we think about how it impacts the overall revenue and margins as you take maintenance revenue and move it into a subscription type contract? Thank you. Um, very fair question. Um, the timing and the migrating of those two customers, obviously we have, um, they're two of our largest uh, uh, moves to the cloud and we're certainly working through that with them. Uh, right now, as I said earlier, we are dedicating a, um, uh, a set of resources to make sure that that move is um, easy, steady, and valuable to them um, in the 2021 timeframe. I think all actors want to make sure that they get the value of what we're putting on the cloud as soon as possible. Um, as we move them onto the cloud, obviously we will be moving them more to a subscription-based model, and uh, we feel uh, comfortable with what that looks like with them. Uh, we are definitely talking um, about how we can partner with them more on some of the new solutions, and I think our, um, as, as we talked about earlier, I think one of your questions was on pricing, we are um, maintaining where we think our pricing should be for our cloud-based products. Our next question comes from Richard C. of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. So we're kind of a year in this pandemic now, kind of hard to believe, but uh, when, when you talk to your customers, how have they changed the way they think about sort of operating their businesses going forward, and, and how does that impact uh, Altus? Well, our customers, I mean, depending on which part of um, commercial real estate you're in, either they've been um, heavily impacted or they've been um, benefited by COVID. I think that what we've seen in, as I've spent time talking to our customers over the last couple of months uh they, they are in more need of the valuation and risk management solutions now than they have been in the past. Uh, valuation management, our advisory appraisal management services, and our solutions um, around the cloud are being probably leveraged more than ever. Uh, I think that they, I think that they're, you know, with COVID, there's definitely a um, macroeconomic uh, environmental change that's causing them to uh, look at every one of their valuations, and I think we're very well positioned for that. Um, that's increased a lot of activity. Um, it's increased a lot of our advisory, and then it's also starting to build um, and make our pipelines more robust. So while as a whole the market has, is, is thinking about what it needs to be uh, for CRE and how that impacts, you know, the assets out there. Uh, there's a lot of um, extra activity for our part of the market because of where we sit. Okay. Um, 
when you sort of look at the transition to cloud, obviously that's very important in terms of the strategy that you've laid out here. What do you see sort of the most natural products to kind of upsell on that base when that once that transition is uh, you know complete or or largely uh, complete? So I mean I think that we're building out more of an asset management based platform around our um, Argus Enterprise on the cloud product. So clearly we think that there will be um, good upsell and cross sell around that upsell from the standpoint on. Argus Enterprise to more users leveraging the product, not only just for the valuation, but the reporting. Um, more cross-sell around our current products like Boyanta and Talliance, and then certainly cross-sell opportunities around our products um, in the appraisal management perspective uh, area called Data Exchange. As those move to the products, uh, they move to the cloud as well. And ultimately, as we finish the acquisition, um, a finance active, we expect um, cross-sell and upsell there as well. Okay, okay. And, and just one last one for me. This might be for, for Angelo, but when I look at overtime revenue, can you maybe sort of split for us um, the proportion that's coming from net new sales versus uh, customers shifting to the cloud? Is that sort of a, the right way to look at it? Well, right now it, it does uh, include uh, all sources, uh, but, uh, Richard, I'll, I'll take that under consideration, uh, for future disclosures, but at the moment it, it's, uh, it includes both and, and, uh, you know, we have a healthy base of, of new clients, um, um, but it's, it is embedded in that metric primarily still, you know, given especially early days, um, with some of these larger transactions, it's going to be skewed a little bit to sort of existing clients and, and uh, migrations. Uh, but particularly in the SMB market, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing a number of new clients in, in that segment. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Okay. Our next question comes from Stephanie Price of CIBC. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. With more of a focus on Hi. Uh with perhaps more of a focus on M and A, just wonder if you could talk a bit about the M and A criteria that you're you're kind of looking at when you're assessing these deals. Uh fair question. I think for us, um we're looking to be a little bit more strategic around our acquisitions. Um when I when we think about acquisitions uh as we are continuing to build out our solutions, the first thing that we think about is what the technology, what the data, what the analytics could be um, that could be added into our ecosystem, as well as what we can add in around our the services business that we have. So what we're looking at, number one, is for those, those assets as we go into strategic acquisition. The second thing that we, um, we we're looking for, obviously, is um, if we can actually leverage any of those to help us in any new end markets or geographies that we're wanting to go through. Um, we feel like that there's, you know, as we, as we are looking to build out uh, our European operations that, you know, there's a number of assets that should help us over there. Uh, when we look at these acquisitions as well, um, it's very simply that we're looking at, you know, recurring revenue and what that business looks like so that we can um, make sure that we add to that. Uh, so uh, acquisitions that have gone through a transition or are close to finishing is something that we're looking at. That allows us to start looking at a very strong install base for cross-sell potential. Uh, we also want to look for um, acquisitions that have strong, um, you know, strong net, and net promoter scores for our customers. And ultimately, when we go through this, um, you know, it has to fit well within our roadmaps, and we need to know exactly um, how that would fit going forward. So as we look at those acquisitions, um, we have a well-thought-through roadmap, a plan for integration, as well as how we're going to um, sell and service customers. So that's kind of like, in a nutshell, the four or five things we look at. That's great color, thanks. 
And maybe just on that cross-selling um, piece, on Finance Active, can you talk a little bit about what customers are using for debt and risk management now and whether you have any joint customers with Finance Active right now? Uh, I, I would love to talk about more of that now, um, but I'm pro probably at this point, you know, as we are a couple steps away, it probably um, uh, I would have, be happy to talk through that with you at a, at a later date. Um, but what I could tell you is we feel very good about the cross-sell potential. Great. And, and maybe let's ask one more. In the past, I think the aspirational target for AA has included kind of EBITDA margins in the plus 30% range. Just curious how you're thinking about that target um, and in, in that margin range. Stephanie, we think about um, as, we're, as we're growing double digits um, by uh, organically, uh, at the revenue line, we would like to increase um, our, uh, our EBITDA by a faster double-digit growth. And so that's what we're looking at in our plans going forward. So at this point, we expect that to continue to improve over the next two to three years. Um, we think that we are doing the right things to um, uh, really enhance our margins. And um, as we move more to the cloud and start uh, turning off some of our legacy products, that's naturally the fit that you see what happens around this. So more to come there. Great. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from Stephen McLeod of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hi, Stephen. Hi. How are you? Hi. Um, I just wanted to follow up a little bit just on the 2023 outlook. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it hasn't changed from where you were previously, but, you know, I, w I would, I would uh, say that the tone was, is a bit less cautious than it was potentially when you reported um, Q3. So I was just curious, when you think about the, the cadence towards that 2023 goal, um, is, it, is it fairly, is the growth fairly evenly distributed um, between now and then? And then I guess, uh, secondly, you talked about um, you know acquisitions maybe maybe forming uh, more of a uh, or, or a larger role in, in achieving that goal. Um, how many do you, do you expect to do other acquisitions in you know you mentioned debt and data? Do you expect to do other acquisitions in debt above and beyond the, the finance active? Sure, there's a couple questions there, so let me um, let me start with the tone. Yeah. I think I, I think I unfortunately only got was here for six weeks when I had to give the last. <laughs> the last update. I think that as I as I've gotten to know the team more and spend time with the team, you know, there's something about operationalizing a plan, right? And we feel very confident with our operational plan, and that's allowed us to like start thinking about what the different paths are to that number. So yeah, I, I feel a lot more confident right now. Um, back to your, the growth trajectory that we look at. Uh, listen, we we are we're we're expecting to do you know you know, good double-digit growth each year. And we expect that to, con to continue to grow as we shift um, customers over to the cloud, build out the adjacency products, service the customers across more enterprise solutions. Um, we think that that will continue to grow, but we think that the, you know, we, we think that the percentage of growth year over year will be um, fairly uh, consistent. And then to your third point around acquisition, we plan to be acquisitive. Uh, you know, Angelo had a good uh, overview of where we sit um, with our balance sheet. We have a very strong balance sheet thanks to what he and his team has done. Uh, I think that we're going to leverage that balance sheet to continue to look for, you know, those acquisitions that fit into the criteria that was asked before around technology, data, and analytics. And we look forward to adding those things as we are um, uh, filling out things that we can uh, buy out there to uh, fill out our product roadmap. Great. Oh, thank you, Mike. Um, and then maybe just secondly, you know, you achieved a couple of significant milestones in Q4 or, um, yeah, Q4, I guess it was, not subsequent. Um, you know, you had the, the two large uh, service providers signing on or transitioning to cloud. Um, you, you surpassed the 1,000 customer uh, milestone for cloud. Um, I guess this is actually a two-part question. Uh, would you expect that, you know, does, does, the, does the two large transitions 
signify that you know you are getting more success with larger customers despite that longer sales cycle and then maybe secondly beyond a thousand customers um what's the next customer milestone um sorry you made me smile on the next customer milestone you know these are the things we should be coming up with really quickly to keep you guys uh excited um first <laughs> question first um uh listen with the with the two large customers coming on um we're going to be expecting more large customers to move on i think that when you when you talk to the large customers they understand the value uh but you know they have large complicated um distributed uh enterprises and as such we we really do need to think through how we implement that with them how they how we help migrate them from previous um versions of um argus and you know i think from that standpoint i think we we have a we have a pretty good sense of how to do that and you know these customers felt that this was the right time for them to move i think that we'll start to see more customers like that move over time especially from the standpoint of just that but also we're we're starting to like build out what they were hoping that you know would be on our cloud you know as angela and i've talked about today those 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 connectors coming out and those APIs to other uh, solutions as we connect our ecosystem with uh, others that are out there to make it easier for them to do work. Uh, the collaborative interfaces that we're we're adding into this, the ability for them to look down their chain. I think that's all incredibly valuable um, uh, technology that comes out pretty quickly. So we expect that more large customers would adopt as these guys have and um we'll focus from there as for the next you know the next level i mean you know certainly listen i think we'll give that we'll give that information out as we go um but i think we expect to be uh i think you should start expecting to see instead of the numbers moving up by a couple percentage points um every quarter our goal is to be a lot more aggressive on that i talked about earlier that you know we want um 30 percent of the remaining of our uh, top 25 customers to move to the cloud. We want the next set to have a, a higher degree than that. And, you know, I think this is the, the goal is to create that ecosystem and work with those large customers to make sure that they see the value there and get them on as soon as possible. Yeah, okay, that's great. That makes sense. Thank you so much. Our next question comes from Paul Traber of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Oh, thanks. Good afternoon. Just wanted to focus a little bit on the data opportunity. Uh, you, you talked about making some early investments now. How should we think about the time frame for monetizing data? Like, is it something that you'd anticipate some revenue in the next couple years, or is it is it out longer than that? Um, it, it's, it's not, it's not longer than that. We, we, um, expect to monetize, um, some of the, uh, opportunities that we've identified and are working with, with customers, um, hopefully by the end of this year, if not at the beginning of next year. The, you know, and based on your experience running other data businesses, um, you know, what the, what you're starting with, with Altus is you, you effectively have a, a large pool of data as cloud adoption increases, and then you also have a large customer base. So how rapidly or easily do you expect the data business to scale um, from that position? Well, I mean, the good news is in, you know, we, we do have a data business in Canada um, that's very successful. So we have a lot of experience around this. And it just aligning um, that experience to our Argus cloud. I think for us, it's not just about it's not about um, building out extra data sets, but it's really trying to drive insights to the data and the changes in the data that our customers are seeing. I think to me, when we have when I when I've been part of other data businesses, that's the value, and it's really the value to help them make the decisions every day. And so our data business, and, our, and I, I would be remiss to say our data and analytics business is going to be focused around that. There's a lot of great data providers out there in this industry, and they'll, you know, they'll do um, what they do. Our view is to provide more insights around the data that we're seeing flow through our channels, um, helping customers like um, 
with benchmarks or scores or alerts and really helping them understand when things are changing, especially in the environment that COVID has left um, the commercial real estate in, uh, uh, market in. So that's how we're going for it. All right, thanks for taking my questions, I'll pass one. Our next question comes from Deepak Kushal of Stiefel GMP. Please go ahead. Oh, hi, good evening, everyone. Thanks for, for taking my questions. Um, Mike, I know it's early days on Finance Active, and, you know, I just took a quick glance at, at the website. It seems like they have a, a, a reasonable portion of their business with non-CRE uh, industries or segments. Can you, can you, are you able to discuss that a little bit? And is there kind of a vision to get into broader data services for, for, for broader industry segments here? How should we think about that? So, uh, you know, I, I think I've probably discussed as much as I can on, on, on Finance Active. Uh, as, as we're still as we're still as we're still progressing on certain things. What I would say is, um, you're right that they do they do have a broader set of um, customers, and we see an opportunity um, to really move into new spaces um, with our business that are probably adjacent in the uh, to the commercial real estate uh, business um, through whether through partners or through our own expertise. Uh, we see, um, you know, uh, debt getting us into banking and the banking workflow. And I think that the data that is there around commercial real estate would be very important, especially when you're doing the valuation. So that's something that we see as a good use case that we plan to do some work with. Uh, we've had some discussions with partners. We've had discussions, some discussions with some players there, and we feel very com comfortable that that could be a uh, – a great use case for us. So that's probably one example of us expanding out. There's also obviously the opportunity to expand into more um, public sector uh, opportunities, especially when it comes down to some of our uh, software products like developer and estate master. Uh, so we think that there's um, good, um, good work there. And then, you know, literally as we think about just um, as we, um, kind of put that 360-degree view of debt and equity together for the funds, we, we would hope that that would help us um, enter more and more differentiated funds that are out there than, than just the current funds that we service today. So I think those would be the three, for lack of better terms, adjacencies, other, you know, just right next to commercial real estate or um, one step beyond that we would look at um, uh, having some fun with. Okay, great. And you've mentioned risk management a couple of times. Are you referring to broader risk management services, or or, or is this largely pertaining to um, using the existing, you know, CRE type of data that you have to provide insights into risk management decisions for your customers? How should we think about risk management more broadly? On the on the average, the latter versus the former. I think we need to walk in that area first before we run in something else. Got it. Okay. And then just, you know, maybe my last question, because I know it's getting a little late, a little late in the evening. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're announcing finance active before it's closed. I mean, how should we think about the risk on deal closure? I mean, in other segments we've seen, you know, people propose acquisitions in France and they didn't turn out. So they didn't, they didn't get closed. So how should we think about that? What are the kind of milestones we should look for over the next uh, couple months? Um, any color there would be helpful sure, sure. I, th I think I think that's a fair question. You know, obviously, anytime you you buy in a a new market, you have to consider um, how to work with that market. Um, I have in previous lives um, closed de deals in France and, and and Central Europe, and I think that um, we'll be announcing steps along the way around um, uh, how we get there. What I would say right now is, um, you know based off the conversations I've had with um, the leadership there, uh, I feel like they're an amazing cultural fit with our organization. Uh, we both see the world very much um, the same way, and, and we see the opportunity to really expand both our footprints. And so I think you'll see things over the next weeks and months that we will do this um, as quickly as we can. Okay, but more specifically, is there like an external requirement, like a regulatory requirement or a government kind of security review or financial services review that need to get a stamp on? Um, 
there there's a couple there's a couple of requirements um, uh, as I understand in France um, around uh, the uh, the staff but we're, we're working through that with them and we will get that started okay thanks I appreciate that I'll pass one our next question comes from Gavin Fairweather of Cormark please go ahead oh hey there good evening um, just quickly for me, um, just on the Yardi connector, uh, you know, I know obviously a lot of your clients would be, you know, um, using Yardi for some of the back office work. Um, can you just talk about how important that connector is for your enterprise clients and, and just uh, some of the workflows that, that could unlock? Uh, that's it for me. Thank you. Um, really fair question. Thank you for asking that one. I, I think um, every what I would hear from our customers is anything that um, can help uh, ease the burden of moving data back and forth across a multitude of use cases between us and Yardi and ultimately some of the APIs we build out there for other systems is incredibly important to them. Um, number one, it, it will help them make decisions better in both systems. Number two, it will um, uh, ease the burden they have on um, different uh, versions of the product going out there. And number three is I think it actually provides a lot more value when they're going between the systems in their own environment. And so for us, like what we've seen and when we've started to prioritize the roadmap, especially for our cloud-based products, uh, you'll see a steady stream of um, uh, connectors coming out there or, or universal APIs from us. I mean, I'm very excited to be doing this um, with the guys from Yardi. They've been a great partner on this, and we're excited about this. Great. Thank you. Our final question comes from Paul Steep of Scotia Capital. Please go ahead. Great. Mike, can you, can you just clarify for us, in, in the MDNA, you talk about retooling and scaling your sales organization to better address market opportunities. Should we take this to mean that there's been, you know, a larger reorganization or maybe walk us through what you're alluding to on that front? Because it sounds fairly broad in scope. And then one quick follow-up. Okay. Fair enough, Paul. You know, we're, we're, we're evolving from where we were in the past. I think that when you take a look at um, uh, what we've heard from our customers, we're becoming more of a trusted advisor on a number of things in the marketplace. We're also moving from more point in time sales um, or point sales around a product to more enterprise wide solutions that go across not only just our products, but other ecosystems as well. And as such, um, we, we are really trying to make sure that, you know, as we talk about selling, you know, you have a regional construct, you have, a, an accounts construct, and then you have a solution construct. And what we've been trying to do with our sales teams is to work through uh, what the best way to set that up is, uh, identify where we have uh, gaps so that we can make sure that um, all of our, uh, our customers have good access to the solutions that we have. One of the other things that go into this is uh, that I talked about earlier was um, the building out of a, a strong customer success function. And this is a natural outcome of, of um, uh, switching more to the cloud because it's not only about, uh, you know, obviously building the pipeline and closing that pipeline, but it's also about making sure that our customers are every day seeing the value of that. And so that's where a lot of that um, activity is gone. Um, and then the quick follow-ups, just on M&A, obviously you've moved quickly already on one possible acquisition that could close. Maybe talk about your willingness and if there's been any change in view on your use of leverage and maybe even the use of equity to scale up and more aggressively go after the data opportunity. Thanks, guys. Um, good question. I think for think for us, I mean, we are, um, as we are looking at the market, we think that there's a lot of great opportunities um, in our core valuation space and risk management space, but also as we talked about in in in, uh, in debt and in currently data, we 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 do plan to be active in this space. I think for us, um, we'll continue to we'll we will use our strong balance sheet. 
I think that if we find a great acquisition for ourselves and there's something out there that we have to use a combination of um, debt and um, stock, we'll, we'll, we definitely will consider it. Right now, I think what we're looking at is um, acquisitions um, in the size of what we just of the proposed acquisition with Finance Active. Um, there might be some smaller, there might be some larger, but I think um, we're, 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 what we're looking for more is the building blocks um, in data uh, to add to the, the assets we currently have. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mike Gordon for any closing remarks. Thank you so much. Uh, this was a, uh, I appreciate the evening as always with everybody. I think that um, we're looking forward to um, the uh, new year. And as we said, we are very excited about um, our prospects for 2021 and beyond. I thank everybody for their time on the call and I look forward to working with all of you in the future. Have a good evening. This concludes today's conference call. Should you have any further questions, please contact Camila Bartoszkiewicz at Atlas Group. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.